Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 496, and I'm very excited about this one. I've texted loads of mates about this. One mate I haven't texted is Jim Smallman, but I wanted it to be a surprise for him because Jim Smallman is how I met today's guest, Mr. William Regal. And man, this is a special one. I'm telling you, this is a special one. This is the last podcast that Regal is going to be, be be doing for some time and he consciously chose distraction pieces for that honor which blows my mind obviously there's a lot going on in wrestling at the moment but this podcast is for wrestling fans and non-wrestling fans genuinely like when I was recording this weird thing to say here I kept thinking how much my dad is going to enjoy this my dad isn't a wrestling fan at all but so much of the comedy and culture and just life stuff that we talk about in this is just applicable to anyone it's really good it's really good conversation so yeah i we recorded this a couple of weeks ago as i was just saying a lot's happening in the wrestling world at the moment so i was concerned it was going to go instantly out of date but um it hasn't and it's amazing and yeah i think you're going to really enjoy this there's some great history some great insights some great advice um, it's just a great man. I'm a big fan. He knows I'm a big fan. Um, and he was very gracious with his time, incredibly frank and honest. So yeah, this is a dope one. As ever, we're brought to you by speech records.com. Head over there for all my merch, patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip to support the podcast and twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pipio to watch what I'm doing over there. Keeping the plugs brief because this is a really good decent length conversation um and i want to jump straight into it so uh yeah this is episode 496 of the distraction pieces podcast an exclusive last podcast for some time with the legend that is mr william regal Make sure the sound's up. There we go. Right, lovely. And then I'll start recording here. Right. There you go. That was nice and easy, wasn't it? It was very easy, yes. I'm here today with Mr. William Regal. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, Happy I'm, New I'm Year. looking forward to us chatting. Happy New Year to you. How's your, your festive period been and your and your New Year's? It's been very nice. It's been very nice. I got to um go home to England at the beginning of December for 11 oh, wow. days. So that was, America's a bit different living here for 30, it's 30 years this year, in a few weeks wow. since I moved here. Um, but it's it's Thanksgiving until Christmas and then Boxing Day, you'd think nothing had ever happened. People take really? the decorations down that the whole thing goes and and. It's just odd to get used to, and I've still never got used yeah. to it. We, my wife, still has that thing of not taking the decorations down till the sixth of January and all that, and and that's I'm, just. The way I'm it looking is. across my living room now at the table that I only ever get out at Christmas with a Christmas tablecloth on it and all of that stuff. So yeah, I'm very much still in in Christmas land. <laughs> and and I've, to, I've I, I, we joke about it every year, but all these things you hear when you're younger. Time flies so ridiculously quick. We have these yeah. certain things that we put on the mantelpiece, and I go, 
might as well not bother taking them down because it, it, it's like here, everything goes up the week of Thanksgiving. That's the way yeah. people do. So we end up actually having a six weeks with all the stuff, which I quite like, you know. But I said to her last night again, I said, might as well not take those things down because it'll go. It's now it's Valentine's Day. Then it's it's my son's birthday. Then it's, it's just just things yeah. bump, 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 bump. And it's up putting the decorations back up again. That's how it seems to have gone for the last, I don't know, 15 years. In the last three or four years, it's it, it, it's mind-blowing. This year's gone. I, I mean, I, as you know, I've left one company. I've gone to another. It, it's like a blink of an eye, and I'm start back with back with the other company with with WWE again and it's yeah it's as if nothing's ever happened nothing's changed in the slightest it's it's like it's so it, it it's weird that it, it and anybody listening that's young I know you you don't like listening to to, to all the people make the most <laughs> of every second you have on this earth because yeah. it, it it really is you get to a certain age and and it just and and you hear it from all old people Time goes so quickly and we waste such a lot of it. Or if you have major things happen, sometimes, and I've had some stuff, and sometimes you think, I'm going to make the most of it. And even trying to make the most of it, you end up not making as much of it as you can because it's gone. Like I've just had a wonderful seven or eight months with a real good group of my friends and it's just... Bump! It's it's gone in a blink of an eye, and I, I'm like I haven't even caught up with any of the stuff that we've done because it's just yeah. the way it is, right? And that that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, everyone probably feels the speed of which the last few years have gone, the pandemic, all that kind of thing. It feels like it. I think it that's still, a good thing. It, right? it, <laughs> Every new year, it feels like we've just ended 2020, and it's yeah. like, all right, no, we're on to another one, but. You mentioned not wasting a moment. You've not wasted a moment, mate. You've you've you, you feel like you've been very, very, very busy, and you've touched upon it there. I want to say off the bat, we've been been lining this up for a while, and for anyone tuning in, any kind of dirt sheets type things tuning in, that isn't this conversation. I'm not no. here to get any scoops or any no. gossip or any rumours no. or anything. I just want us to have a nice old catch up. This will be the last thing I'm doing. Yeah. This will, I and and I purposely want this to be. I've done two. Obviously, the if if you're into the wrestling, I, I've it was a bit convoluted and finished off the way it finished off. Where I've just been yeah. at AEW, but I'm back with the WWE by the time you hear this. Yeah, and I've had, I've had you know obviously people asking me to do things. There's a lot happened this year. There's also a lot of things that have made me go. Uh, I, I'm quite happy being not in the limelight and yeah. I have been for many years I had my time yeah. and and I, I had I had a nice little gig with NXT for a long time where I just showed up occasionally and then in yeah. in the pandemic I was used a lot more because we had to go into survival mode and it was certain characters you know with no crowds we had to ch- so change things a little bit and I, I'd say look don't use me as much if if you don't mind, because it should be about the yeah. talent, not about me. This will be the last thing I'm doing. I've done t- you, you, and and I, I did my friend, uh, comedian Doug Stanhope's podcast. Yeah, I love Doug, and that's that was it. This is the last thing I'm going to be doing for unless WWE asked me to do something as myself. 
I'm doing nothing else about anything or wrestling or anything uh, for the, at least a year. And, and I'm purposely, I'm happy with that. I, I've had more than my fair share of being in the, in, uh, it, it became a little, that was one of the things in the, in, in, in the last little few months in AW, I think it was getting far too much about me. And mm. uh, it should have been about the talent that I was with, not about me. Because yeah. uh, my day, like I, I, one of them, like I, that's it. I'm, I'm quite happy being in the background. I, I, I don't need well, the the because all it is is grief. Yeah, I've had my run. I've done it all, and and, and whatever else. I've, I've just had another lovely, incredible. Couldn't have had a, a better last few months of, as far as TV and doing that. But I didn't set out. I, I didn't go there with that in, in, intention. The, the intention was to do something different. And it just never ended. It started off the way it did, but I didn't expect it to end up being this thing that it was for the last seven months where I'm, I just became talent. And so yeah. I went there with a different plan because I was asked to go there to help out in a different capacity. And that never transpired. So right. it, it, it's just like, okay, I'm done. So whatever you hear, me and you are doing today, this is it. This is, I love this it. is I, the last two. I, I really appreciate that and I'm honoured. But, I mean, speaking of kind of it being about the talent, I think one of the things that has astounded me, even in that in, in that run, people often talk about, again, another mutual friend of ours and previous guest, Chris Jericho, about his ability to bring people up to his, his level, to put people over and things like that. One of the things that's fascinated me about your career in recent years is I mean, one of the things I want to talk about is your history, but your ability to use your history in storylines to like when you arrived and spoke with, with with Tony about what you guys had been through. But the storyline with MJF was so good at putting him over as such, of of showing this deep history, using all the experience that you have had, but to still put the spotlight on on someone else, if you know what I mean. Well, that's with my whole career. My, yeah, I was going to say, how important is that? It's, it's the key, right? It, it's 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 never something that I've ever thought about. It's just doing what's right for the job. I've, I've yeah. never been a me, me person or care about me. It was, yeah. I, was, I was brought into the wrestling business by people who were, once I got to a certain age and, and people took me under their wing when I was 18, it was all about being a pro and doing your job and doing it right. And... That was just part of the job, and and it all these other things that have come into my life have all been a bonus, but that was always at the root of it was just mm. like the easiest person to deal with. What you need, yes, I'm a pro, do my job, and I've ended up in these situations going through the last thirty years. It'd been thirty years on the twenty third of January was thirty years that I turned up in America, and I've, wow. I, I've gone through this, and but that was one of the things that I was happy to do and always try to make the, the you know, I have a saying that I've said it on, on more times than I can remember with, with either talent or on podcasts or people ask me for advice, just, just make it work. Just mm-hmm. make it work. Just go out and make, because if you go out with that mindset of making it work, there's a good chance it's going to work. If you go out there yeah. with a, oh, I'm not, I'm not that bothered. It won't. So it can come at pros and cons of that. People talk about you should should have done this or you should have done that. I couldn't care less. 
about that. Yeah. That, that, that was never a thing yeah. with me. It was just do my job as a pro. And if it involves helping other people or if it, it looks like sometimes it just most of the time very naturally just becomes part of whatever I'm doing. I, you mentioned Chris Jericho before. There was I remember there yeah. was one specific time this year where the, the character of me has been embellished. Right, mm-hmm. there's nothing and nobody bigger than a myth, right? And you, you've met me, and people who know me. I, I, there was a short time in my life where I was what I was, and then, and it was a short time. And there was, I've told those stories, the reality of it. But it's become this thing that I'm this whatever I am, uh, and it. And now I don't know where it starts and where it ends now. But I don't, and, and I, because I'm comfortable with myself, I have no problem going into that talking about me being whatever I'm supposed to be and and Chris used that as a, a part of a yeah. storyline and and stuff and it's like well really that was 22 years ago and and it's a you know it doesn't matter because I can get a whatever's happened in time I can get you can say anything about me and I, I can just go yeah that's me and I can yeah. get away with it and that's part of part of the character whatever it's become in in, in its many yeah. forms I find myself in a lot of situations. I remember that one specific, like, live, it was a live segment where Chris went on for a long time about me and different things. And I could have quite easily gone, if you watch that, say, I'm not asking it to anybody to watch that. I'm just trying to put the understanding of the way I can. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could have just gone off at him, but I didn't. I took it, in, in fact, because I knew there was a time limit of so much and and i needed to, i wanted to get make sure the fellas in my group so i just threw out a bit of a comedy line instead of what a lot of younger people would have done would have been have to try to get there satisfy themselves by going yeah but you are this 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 i'm not that bothered about that because i know eventually it'll i i understand the job and i know that would have paid off which it did in 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 forms different forms and it went different ways but i can i can stand with chris all day long and do stuff but he knows that what he's trying to do i no different than the thing i did with mjf i i could have done a lot more but I, it's not my job to do that my job is to be the person who takes a back seat there and let's mm-hmm. I, I i'll I, i'm not going to get eaten up but I'm not yeah. going to go full-blown bump, have a bit of that and really shut you up because I can keep up with anybody <laughs> if yeah. I want to. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I don't need to because I can say a, li- a lot less and use my face a lot more and tell the story with it or my action, just body language and then then have, have to say a load of words. It, it, you know, it, it's just something that comes with time uh, and, the, and and my character allows that. So it's, uh, but that's been my career as a wrestler as well. You know, it's like the people say, oh, you should have been world champion. I'd much rather people wonder why I I wasn't world champion than why I was. Because I probably made a terrible world champion because I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't have wanted the responsibility. It's it's a a terribly, terrible responsibility. And I've seen a, a lot of my friends, unfortunately, Different day and age now. The work schedule is not the same, but a lot of my friends are no longer with us because trouble in your life or stress manifests itself in many ways. Unfortunately, you can say, "Well, this killed them, or that killed them." What killed them was worrying themselves to death mm-hmm. because of yeah. the pressure of trying to be too perfect or keeping or having to keep on it, and 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 it affects you. you 
it's eating your business, it's eating my business, it's eating, we're eating all kinds of well, yeah. the pressure of trying to keep on top all the time is is a terrible thing to have to put on anybody's shoulders. And you'll always have yeah. people some people surround themselves with people giving them all angers on and the wrong advice. Or because I had that and it's a long-winded story, but because I had those the right people at the right time in my life. You're in in this job and your job is to be a pro and that's it. And anything you get is just do your job without the ego part of it or the I've got to be the best or if, you know, never cared, Ed. You you want to be the best, you you go on then. I'll just be over here doing me. That's what I do. I just... I'll just yeah. do me and I can do me and I uh, I don't have to even give the slightest bit of thought about me being me. Anything I've done in the last seven months in AW, I haven't given it this. And that's not in a, like, not caring way. I, I'm just comfortable enough. And I have been for, if I look back, I have been since, you know, the, the 1990s. I, where, what do you need? Mm. Okay. And then things just come into my head and I just, I don't have to give it too much thought at all you know and the last seven months is just okay wherever you go with it i'll just go with it and and that's it and i'll react off you that's another thing to do is to and, and i don't know if that's the same in, in your job but if you get to a point where you learn to react and not act mm-hmm. you can't go wrong because i'm not worried yeah. about what anybody else is going to do agree. i'll just react I, off them and i, I yeah, i'll just I definitely feel that i think in in the acting industry there can be a problem with because of the imposter syndrome or whatever else you're you're dr- drilling your lines and performance to an extent that you can't react off of the person that you're working with and i think right. the key in these things is to learn your lines of performance enough to forget them and then in the moment see what the other person is doing and react and come back and forth and come back yeah and and all of that but one of the things that interests me a lot is over the years when we've been talking i've realized i can see your influences from outside wrestling in oh, in, yeah. in in your wrestling character, and to give Massive. the listeners a bit of of, of, <laughs> of history, we first met at a progress show yes. um, through a mutual friend, I guess, wrestling producer and supposed f- former comedian Jim Smallman. Oh, I was I was at the cemetery this morning. I, I, <laughs> no, I do. I, I always go. Yeah. you know, just at New Year and put some flowers on his comedy act. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's long dead. It's long yeah. dead. Um, yeah. But 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 we've kind of kept more in touch because of a shared love of entertainers like Tommy Cooper yes. and John Shuttleworth and people like that. And one of the things that really strikes me with particularly the era kind of 90s, late 90s, early 2000s that, that, that I was watching your work the most, Tommy Cooper, one of Tommy's great skills was... It takes a lot of skill to pretend to be bad as such. He was amazing at that. And yes. one of the things about your character as as William Regal was you would, you know, have the skill to take bumps well, to take a beating well, and then those moments where you needed to turn it round were more impactful, if you know what I mean. So do, do performers like that, have they seeped into your work and your approach? Without a doubt. I've been very fortunate, you know, and, and and I say these things and they sound a bit corny, but I've had a charm life. From the age mm-hmm. of four, all I ever wanted to be was, and I, I've said this more times than I can remember, I wanted to be a wrestler, a clown or a comedian. Mm-hmm. 
And that's all I've ever done. And I got to do all three through the wrestling. At first, it was building up the wrestling, the stock in the wrestling when I was younger. Once I got to America, and then you're in this different world of the way they did things. Once I got to be a character, I set out with the goal. I was brought to America to be a serious British style at the time, uh, which was world-renowned heavyweight style of wrestling. Mm -hmm. When I got here, I thought I need to be a character. And I did the, it was the 93. And and so it was, I came up with this character of typical stereo, stereotypical, what everybody in, in America thought of British people at the time was, Lord Stephen Regal, because most American uh, English people that had been to America at the time it, through the sixties and or before even the sixties, from the and sometimes I've, I've recently read about certain people from the the late forties being a lord, and sometimes they were mm. from Australia, sometimes they, they were from America. <laughs> uh, Pat Roach, you know the yeah. great Pat Roach was. He came. He was in America in the seventies. He wrestled in the Los Angeles territory, and he was Lord right. Pat Roach, and, and he wasn't there for you know a long amount of time. It's just one of those things, and you end up doing different. Well, when I was younger, I didn't like sports except for watching wrestling. What I did love, music, something else, and that has had different huge amounts of of, of influences on me in other ways, but was entertainment and comedians. Mm. And also just love that some of it, you go back now and look at it and it's like, oh, you, you know, you don't realise when you, what you're watching when you're a kid. But it, it, it's, and it's, it's a bit embarrassing, some of the stuff that you, you but it was just mm-hmm. what was on or what you, course, my yeah. grandparents watch and watch. But it's all going in, it was all going in there, whether I knew it or not. And all of a sudden, once I started doing this stuff and I was only... When I actually turned into this character, I was 25. Well, all of a sudden, and I set out with this goal of being in my head. I knew I had this very believable, credible, solid wrestling style, right? There was no, it's like close-up card magic, the style of wrestling that I learned. There's no see-through yeah. tricks because there isn't a lot. It, it's physical and it's 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 a yeah. believable style. But then the whole point of the way I set out with this character and it's just kept going and kept going was carry on wrestling. That's how I, 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 I in my head, mm-hmm. let, let me just, because I know uh, or I knew at the time Americans will not like me for doing this. Now I used to think about this. I thought anybody who's British, because the show that I was on was getting shown in Britain at the time, they'll be in on the act with me. They'll know that yeah. I'm not really yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. And so they'll get it and it'll endear me to those people. But the Americans will hate me because it was really easy to, to do that. And there's a lot of, you know, there's the obvious Tommy Cooper, if you watch uh, the way I move in the ring a lot of times, or when I'm just yeah. doing backs, just little hand things and just little side things. And then there was everybody else in between. So every mannerism of uh, any little thing that I might have just taken in or once I started on that, then it was going back and watching as much stuff of all of these characters that I could remember, whether it be mm-hmm. Carry On films, whether it, you know it's Kenneth Williams, it's Sid James, it's it's a, uh, but every and every because if you're watching them, you're watching other people, and then you're going, yeah. ooh, 
I'd, didn't even notice that the first time I watched it because I was focusing on Tommy Cooper. I wasn't focusing yeah. on Johnny, is, is it Johnny Vivian, the little fella? Right. With, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't yeah. focusing on him then, but look at that little thing he just did. Oh, and it was all mental notes, and it was, oh, I like that little facial he just put. And it, it became a constant thing of re-watching so much, and then so much stuff. And then going back in time and, okay, I know everything, not everything, but I know a lot of stuff from the 70s and, and they used to shit, obviously, reruns of the 60s. Let me start studying where all this come from. Well, you, you end up going, if you, no matter what comedian of that time period, you hear about Max Miller, you hear about, yeah. you hear, then you start reading about him, then these other people pop up and then, I lived in Blackpool for from. I moved to Blackpool when I was sixteen to start wrestling. Well, I was surrounded by in in a time when Blackpool wasn't the Blackpool that it is today. It was still a family resort full yeah. of shows with all the best comedians that were on TV of, of the day were there. And every time I had a chance, I'd go to the shows and I'd study. At, them and I'd study the circus people. I'd go to the circus and how do they make? Because some something in my head told me one day I might need that for mm. the wrestling. I was so focused on doing this serious wrestling, but something thankfully told me in my mind. Because uh, let me for anybody who doesn't understand know this, a lot of the wrestlers in Britain were some incredible character wrestlers, and I love though when I was a child, I love character wrestlers. When I yep. got to ten, I I like I started liking really technically sound wrestlers, but never forgot yeah. the character wrestlers. So there was always something in my mind that thought there's a connection. It's all a connection. And, and any anybody who has to to entertain people, there's connections. Or although I'm doing this serious stuff, I'm, I'm on a bill and I'm watching somebody like. Jimmy Breaks, or I'm watching somebody like Cat Weasel, or somebody who were great, like entertaining wrestlers, uh, mm. or in Jimmy Breaks's case, or Sid Cooper's case, entertain can have you laughing one minute and then hating them in the next, and so yeah. it was like, how do other forms of entertainment? How do they make it work? So I'd go and watch the circus, and I'd watch the obviously watch the clowns, and then you go, hang on. Once you've seen the show, once you go back and watch again, ah, oh, there's the is the tightrope, the high wire guy. Oh, he nearly last time I watched him, he nearly fell. Oh, hang on, he's just done the same thing again, and he's just mm-hmm. made, he's just put that in. Is that ah? Because there's that element of shock, and ah, oh, so he puts that in every performance. He makes you feel like he's going to fall every ah, oh, and, and without me knowing it, there's just this storage and then uh, going into my brain of things that I can add into my act and not intentionally and most of the time or sometimes having to think about something oh let me add that element to there or let me add this element whether I knew it or not it just built and built and built and built and built and built and so there was comedians you know like Mick Miller is a friend of mine well Mick was on all the time in Blackpool. And Mick yeah. was one of the few what's considered old school comedians who didn't do old school stuff. If you ever watch mm-hmm. Mick, he's very, very funny. But he, t- he had a different way of telling gags. Than, he still did gags, but he had and just an off-the-wall sense of humour. And I'd watch him. And because I got to see him close, then you get to... There was a point where, you know, it's very controversial 
now, and, and there was no reason for him to do a lot of the two people I'm going to mention now. But I was working in a nightclub because at one point where I, because I, I was wrestling, but I could be home in Blackpool. There was so much work in the summer. I could be home in Blackpool by 11 o'clock at the latest. Yeah. I was working in a nightclub because I always needed extra money because you didn't get paid a lot wrestling when I first started. Well, I worked in a nightclub and on a Saturday night, and I worked in the nightclub, but the front doors were downstairs. The club was upstairs. In the back, Bernard Manning was on in there. And because it was, so I had, there was a six-week period where I, I could stand on the front door, but watch Bernard. Now, Bernard didn't do his, what he's been known, because he was, Bernard was an act. It was just an yeah. act. He wasn't yeah. like that in real life at all. He yeah. was the first person, and then you twigged that, and and, I, and then I got to know him a bit, and then you get to know other people. He was the first person, and he got it because he worked in a place called the Northern Working Men's Club. Once he came out, he used to be in the Oscar Rabin band. He was a singer, and then he got a gig as a compere, and they had wrestling on every week, and he was the first right. person to realise they need a bad guy in, in comedy. Unfortunately, right. the way that he went with that, yeah. There was an old show called The Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club. Basically, he played a horrible compare. He played a character of a horrible compare on that show, yeah. which became the act of Bernard. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of times and, you know, now, now I would never say go and watch Bernard, but every mm -hmm. comic in the world, in, in Britain, watch Bernard because of his timing, but also the way he could control the crowd. And that's yeah. what I saw because the person, he would work to rule. And his videos that he put out were, he knew his audience, he knew his, 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 and he'd say outrageous things, right? There's, there's that ridiculous thing. It's Ricky Gervais now, right? Ricky Gervais mm. does the, the, what is it, the, the Emmys, is the Emmys. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then there's yeah, the yeah. mock outrage the next day. Oh, the, he said some terrible things. things. he said. Yeah. You're right. Well, if you go back and look, if, any chat show in Britain, if there was ever the ratings were dropping, there was three people they used to bring on. Bernard, because they knew, and they used to say, like, what do you want? Can you go out and shock people? Bernard, yeah. George Best, and Oliver yeah. Reed. And that's, yeah. uh, people, see, when you're in this job, you see how he, people have manipulated the audiences. Bring them on, yeah. and Bernard knew his job to go out and say something shocking. Or, I was going to say, in, in those th three, at least Bernard was in on it. He was in on you, it. You know, there's more explo exploitation if, on bringing on George Best and Oliver on. Reed when they're in well, dark places kind of thing. But you, know? you actually you actually find out if you... And, and I, I've read a bit about Oliver Reed. A lot of times he wasn't even drunk. He, he, yeah, was, just, right. he was just playing the role because that yeah, that's amazing. all he had at the time. Yeah. So there was that of, of watching... And Bernard was a, a little tubby fella. But I, I mean, I've watched him with like family audiences never say do any of the stuff that he's known for if you watch mm. it that's why i would say never watch his stuff now because it doesn't hold up it doesn't, but he it was shock value stuff right now yeah. people just do they do the same stuff they just do it about other people right yeah. they, they can, you can kid yourself all you want uh, it'll be about the comedy usually comes at the expense of somebody else if you want to shock somebody sure. and yeah. it, it was of his time and i, I don't and I, I never liked it and i used to go and and Anybody who doesn't know anybody who's 70 or 80 who doesn't talk like that is kidding themselves like that. It's just yeah, the way yeah, it was at yeah. the time. Right. Next door at South Pier, this was at the Sandcastle in Blackpool. Next door, Chubby Brown was on. 
Right. So I could just nip next door and watch an hour of Chubby. An hour of Chubby, when they talk about that there was a thing in in the early 90s about rock star, they started calling like Newman and Baddiel first rock star comedians. No, mm-hmm. the first rock star comedian was Chubby Brown. Yeah. In in the late 80s, he turned up in Blackpool and it was like a happening at South Pier of, it was the first time that you had gangs of, of drunk fellas queuing down. And it wasn't always drunk, junk fellas. It was just a happening of mm-hmm. young people queuing all the length of South Pier from 1987 onwards. Get And it was yeah. like a rock show. And you yeah. went in and there was a rock band playing and Chubby was doing his thing. And so you get to, and watching them, shut, if there was a drunk, shutting them up, just keeping them. Going. Well, this stuff, I already knew you needed to be able to control crowds. So the, mm-hmm. the, I know this is a really long-winded answer, but I had this oh, all at my feet living in Blackpool. I didn't have to go yeah. and look at if I was... And, and then I could just go and watch a family entertainer. Oh, that's nice. I did, okay. And then I was wrestling all the time. So you see, you have families to wrestle for. You learn what works, what doesn't. I was watching the best British wrestlers at the time. In the, I mean, the education I had from the British wrestlers that I had was... It, I, I didn't need anything but that because there was great wrestlers, but also the people that knew how to control a crowd and to and people or sh- shut somebody up or and so it all becomes part of the act. That going back, it's uh, uh, that's one thing. I, I know I'll go on and on, but this is how it's not an easy thing. It's like if if there's anybody listening, they go, "Oh, right, let me start watching a comedian." It's not going to work like that. Or yeah. I've had I've had a few people say, "Who should I watch?" I, I can't tell you because all I did would be a thousand different people. If I sat and watched something, oh, yeah, that's because I watched them. Or I didn't realize at the time that they were in there, but it just comes out. There was a thing that was yeah. happening a bit this year um, with Excalibur. Me just saying, I did, never gave it the slightest thought. What I had thought about that, that I, I'd seen, I'd been watching Brassic. Because I, you know, yeah. I live in America, so any British TV you can get Brit boxing at, you know. So I yeah. watched it, and they, and I've always called people Northern sort of sayings, you know, petal and flower and whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and they were calling everybody on the the last last season. They were calling everybody sweetheart, and I thought, oh, so I was watching that, but it also reminded me of, I don't know if you ever saw the show Ideal with Johnny Vegas. Yeah. Right, yeah. so Brian, who's yeah. right. Well, you know, the Brian, the character Brian in, in Ideal um, is the guy that wrote it, but his, his actual name, his, his, his name, although it never gets actually said in the show, but his name on the, the scripts is Brian Dixon. Well, there's an infamous right. British promoter. So once I found that out, and Robbie Brookside, my best friend, was still living in England at the time, he used to just say, to do a line to Brian Dixon, who had no clue about Ideal. Ooh, yum, 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 and scrummy, scrummy, scrummy. And some reason, the day before, I'd thought of that character, because I hadn't seen Ideal. I think it was actually because I'd seen something about Johnny Vegas yeah. the day before. So that was in my head. The Brassic Sweetheart thing was in my head. I went out and I just said something. And then it became a thing. So when you ask about you know, all these Tommy Cooper things and then there's bits of everybody in between. That My wife the other night just said, oh, do you know who we haven't watched? And I and, and I hadn't thought about it for years and years and years. 
And and I'm a bit sick now, to be honest, because there's so much of his stuff having in the last two nights watching stuff on Kenny Everett. Right. And I watched so much of him when I was younger. Yeah. And you realise how groundbreaking he was with what he was doing at the time. I'd have been, yeah. I'd have been, they'd been doing all kinds of stuff that he he was he was doing that I would have been doing for the last thirty years if that yeah. would have, but it never once clicked with me if that makes right. any sense. Whereas yeah. other people, yeah. I, I'd, I'd gone back and like you watch all these films and you watch all these shows over and over or new shows, and a lot of it was because of Robbie Brookside. I moved, once I moved over here, have, oh, have you seen such and such? No, I haven't. Oh, I'll send. At first, it was I'll send you the tapes. So I'd yeah, get yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. get like a thing of tapes, and I'd see. You know, that's how I got onto Johnny Vegas. That's how I, I got yeah. onto him. I'd never, you know, I'm living over here. You're not going to hear about Johnny Vegas. So then I, I saw the first thing that Johnny Vegas did when he was, and if you've ever seen that original thing he did where he played the ex Butlin's red coat and that. It, no, I don't think I did. Wonderful. It's on YouTube. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's. Fantastic, because that was the whole character was based on a failed red coat, right? A, a failed yeah. red coat. Yeah, he wanted yeah, to be yeah, a yeah. singer. So, really, if you watch that, that's the initial. It was like a mockumentary thing of, of filming him, and it, most people have lost that because Johnny went on to do his other stuff. But it was based on this. The whole character was based on a failed Butlins. He, he had one season at Butlins, and that's it. He was he's been drinking ever since because it didn't yeah, work yeah, out yeah. for him so well that triggered I spent a couple of years working on Butlins and Pontins when I was in my teen years and all the characters that, that so many obviously people trying to get into show business so many people trying and and some failing some not and things clicking with it oh I'll use that or I've seen that or I've seen yeah. that and I've seen somebody trying to be funny but they weren't ah oh, keep that freaking whether I know it or not this stockpile of of this entertainment stuff came into my, was just already in my brain or I, I started re-exploring things. So and that was an incredibly long answer, but I, I always named Tommy Cooper. I always named certain people, but yeah. everybody, basically everybody that from being whatever my memories are at four years of age, whether I liked what, what I was seeing or not had an influence on me at some point in my career. Does that make sense? I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, completely. And I love, again, the fact all these things go through two filters as well. So you're witnessing all these things, but then they're going through the filter of you. Yes. Kind of becoming how you would approach this particular movement or comedy. And they're often going through the filter of of time, that you're, you're, you're bringing them into the, into the future. And again, people can rightfully slate the content of someone like Bernard Manning. Absolutely. But it'd be crazy to think he was as big as he was without any skill and stagecraft and 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 crafted craft as a writer right. and all that. So, so <laughs> all of that you can you can change the content but still learn from the 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 craft. I have seen now in the last couple of years as we've got the wonderful thing living in America of of all these British shows that I can get on streaming. But one of the things they've had for quite a few years was Netflix. And yeah. three years ago, or four years ago, the new Jimmy Carr special came on. Mm-hmm. And the first line he did was a Bernard Manning gag. And I'm yeah. thinking, here's this new generation who's just a, a trolling through old stuff yeah. now because they've, uh, you know, he's supposed to be one of the, 
this happened and about... And because it's gone, and because it's gone because from it's the psyche. 40 years ago, you yeah. can not... Yeah, and who better to steal from than somebody who everybody, nobody's going to watch because of he's got this. Right. And if you actually watch him, there's about 5% of his material, Bernard's, was actually where he said something outrageous. The rest of it yeah. was him. And believe me, they've all watched him and they've all studied his craft. And they've all, you know, it, you can't go out outright. And But if you can stand there as long as he did or any of these fellas and do that, and he was working till the day he died and still getting paid a lot more than most comics, you've got to be good at your job. And you, you don't have to like the material. It's not about the material. I don't, it makes me, that's why I don't tell anybody to watch him. But this was a man, and I've seen him, right? I've seen him shut up a, a crowd that could have kicked off any second, just stare at somebody and just bump and had this command over the audience. And you're like, that's what you, you learn. That's the timing. That's knowing when yeah. to do this. Yes, you're going to say the odd thing. There's, but you can't tell anybody. So it, it, watching him is not going to. You've got to sort of grow up through different phases, right? It, yeah. it, it's it's like Com- knowing. I, what's... I completely understand that. I, I I know from my days doing music, people would, would be really would be impressed by our, our live show and the music we were doing was kind of hip hop, spoken word kind of thing, but. The reason the live shows were good was because I grew up going to punk gigs. So there wasn't a specific punk act I would steal my stagecraft from, but I would take little bits from all of them so it had that energy. But just you mentioning Jimmy Carr there, I've got to tell you, when I did a spoken word tour once, I straight up stole a routine from Tommy Cooper. Again, adapted it into the modern... A time, yeah. I'd, I'd I'd get to the end of my set and I'd say that um, I'd say to the audience, like you might have seen in the papers recently, I've had a particular spoken word piece that has caused a lot of controversy. It's been said that it's a, a public incitement to to violence. It's inappropriate. It's breaking all sorts of laws. I've I've in fact been told that there may be police officers in the crowd tonight to keep an eye on. If I perform it, I may be arrested. So I'm going to end on this piece. But before I do, because I might be arrested, I'd like to... T- you've been an amazing audience. I'd like to take my applause now. Crowd goes absolutely w- wild. And then I just walk up to the mic and go, no, I ain't going to prison for that. And walk off. Thank you and good night. Because Tommy right. used to do that. He'd have a pile of tables in the background. Yeah. Pile of tables. It'd all be building up. And then he'd say, for my big finale, I'm going to risk my life. He'd get his applause. They go, "I ain't breaking me back for that." No, and and, yeah. and walk off. And it was it was just the perfect kind of us. Like I could adapt that and, and and bring it into the modern world. And to this day, I'll have people saying, "I saw you on that tour. What was the, that spoken word piece? I never heard it. What was it? it? Didn't exist. There wasn't a controversial spoken word piece. It was yeah. all just a comedy ending that, um, yeah, adapted and brought into the into the modern times. Yeah. You gotta love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. I'm 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 very aware of time and no don't don't because I, I've I've got um this again this is it you're getting the last one I'm gonna disappear for a while. It. Well, something I really need to talk to you about, and you you mentioned in your youth being a fan of character wrestlers. I had a similar thing, but a generation or two behind. I got into wrestling with the Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and these right. guys, and then I went on to appreciate your. Um, I was, I mean, I was at SummerSlam in '92 at Wembley, and and the European Rampage that came before it. All of these things, I went on to appreciate your 
your Ric Flairs and your Shawn Michaels and yourself and 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 people like this. I was an avid fan during the, the, the Attitude Era, but my favourite era in all of wrestling was the black and gold brand NXT when you were had transitioned to to backstage, kind of from you know I was just I just missed a lot of the Shield and your Wyatts, but from your Finn and your KOs and obviously the Four Horsewomen and all this kind of thing. So one of the things I've not really heard too much about, you mentioned earlier how you now are comfortable that you want to be in the background. What was kind of the transition to that? And what was the realisation that, right, I've learned so much throughout this career that I can pass that on from from backstage, from from not necessarily being at the front, from producing? I, I, I actually... What was that transition and how was that period? I can't give you a real answer to that because it just happened. Well, I know that the only reason you're talking to me now or anybody wants to talk to me is because I was born at the right time and I was around the right people at the right time who took me under the wing and gave me good advice. If I'd have been born three years after I was born, I wouldn't have had the same education in, in the wrestling job. Not not a chance. Yeah. That's how, that's how, because the people who all key players and you couldn't have asked for anybody better than the people that that took me in, right? And, and, and re sort of, I was already wrestling, but then got retrained at 17 by Marty Jones, who was best wrestler in Britain at the time. And then because of me just being the way I was, other people taking me in. So, I knew that I'd only got here. That's it. There's never been an ego thing with me. It was, I know that I I never thought I was anything. I I just had perseverance. I wasn't going to give up. And I've appreciated this job. You've had a lot of people moan about this. You'll never find anything about me moaning about this job. I was happy working on Blackpool Pleasure Beach when I was, I was 15 when I first started wrestling there. Right. And I'd have been quite happy if my career had have ended at the end of that, if I'd have just had a couple of years there, I'd have lived off that for the rest of my life, right? And I know everything Everything after that was all because of people, because I was quiet and did my job and polite and they put me into other things that took me to where I got to, you know, at 24, from 20 to 24, I went to 19 different countries because of other wrestlers who didn't have to put me in because uh, they, they could have kept it to themselves because there were plenty of people that did that. They got me in and sort of mentored me and taught me and trained me and did different things. And I got to travel so much so that I got the call to come to America. So my career was all... I, I don't think I had it much to do with my career apart from (laughs) perseverance and putting in the work that you should have to I don't talk about hard work because it's it's just what you should do anyway Mm. anybody starts that well I I I do I I work harder than anybody else I think they're already on the wrong path the way the mindset you should if you're thinking like that it's your job that's what you should do Mm. (laughs) right so I did my little bit and they helped me well my career was I, you know, there's a listen to other people's podcasts or whatever to find out if you're interested about me as far as what happened in my career. But I had an incredible career. Couldn't have asked for any better. Mm. Although, although people might, other people might tell you 
I could have had, but I couldn't have asked for any more. I, it, it was a thousand times more than I could have ever ever asked for, and still is, right? And I really I have to say this a lot, but I've had a charm life out of wrestling. I've never watched that film, The Wrestler, because I mm. saw two minutes of it in a dressing room once. There was some lads watching it in the dressing room, and I thought, yeah. oh, whatever it was. I, that's not my life. My life's never yeah. been like that. I, it's it's yeah, yeah, been, yeah. maybe I look at it from, you know, with rose-tinted glasses on, but no, I chose to do this. Nobody forced me to do it. And I've had a, an incredible life doing it. I've been all over the world. I've had a great, I, I've, I, you know, I, I've wrestled a who's who of, of, of wrestlers, stuff that I never thought possible. And it, it's so come So, what you started out, I thought, if I could just, at first, if he's, I can just have a few years in this wrestling, that's great because I haven't got to lay bricks because that's what my dad did and that's what my granddad did and all my uncles. And really, we can dress this up how we want, but let's get down to the, the, the bottom line. Dave Taylor, my, my my old friend and partner, who was an, a, a, he was British amateur champion I mean he's was, was the real deal Dave Dave didn't want to be a wrestler he just he ended up a pro wrestler he ended up being a pro wrestler yeah. he said look you can dress this up all you want or he said basically it's a toss off job that we do because we don't want to get a real job and yeah. at the end of the day any of us that are fortunate enough not to have a real job and clock in on every day we should take that as a bonus we've all been People- lucky People have talked to me over the years about the different career changes I've had and different areas of these right. different industries. And it's like, I still live in the same working class town I grew up in and I don't want to get a proper job. So that's right. why I've gone that's from music to broadcasting yeah. to acting yeah. to all these right. other things. It's like, I don't want to have to get a real job and I'll have to if I stop. So right. so that's why all these so, transitions come in. So yeah, completely yeah, get So you. I had this came to 45 and I, I was already transitioning out of it because of physical problems, you know, which is just part, I'm never going to moan about it, it was just part and parcel of what I had to go through, you know. Uh, and I knew that from coming into it, you know, you're going to end up, that's part of the job. And then I get this, because people help me, I, I, I've always tried to help anybody who, who wanted help, who, who'd put the work in without thinking it was work, if that makes any sense. Yeah. If yeah, you're going yeah. on about your work and how great you work and I outwork everybody and that, uh, I'm probably not going to have as much of, because to me you should just, that's just part and parcel of what you should do. You should, mm-hmm. you, you know. You, you, so I, I ended up, Triple H came into my life in, in ni- the end of 1993. And and 1990, we, we ended, I just, he was a year younger than me and I just said to him, do you want to come and train with me? Because any day I had off, I used to uh, I used to work for a company no longer exists called WCW in Atlanta. That's where I still live. And I'd go down and train because uh, I like to train myself. You know, I never think I'm, uh, I'm every day. And still to this day, I, I stopped wrestling nine years ago. It's just, just gone. November was nine years since I had my last match. I've been kicking myself ever since. Why Why didn't I do that for the last 30 years? Things that I've just sort of, you know, I'm constantly trying to work on this job or think about changing and, and, and seeing things that I either like or I think have outplayed themselves. And, and I think there's, there's a time now where I think there's a lot of us and 
there's a few people I, I talk to. We, I think a lot of things have played themselves out, and we need to mm-hmm. start changing a few things to 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 keep it going. I'm not going to go into that here, but um, because we've had such a successful run of it, which is your question about NXT yeah. and 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 doing everything right, but. So Triple H being one of those, well, we always kept in touch and he went on to greater things and, and couldn't wish him any... Burn. I ended up working with him again in 2000 uh, in WWE and then he asked me one day, right, we're going to start doing this and this it's going to... We're going to keep... NXT was originally a game show and it was like a... a whatever it was, said we're going to keep this and I want to take this into another realm and it was I was as far as I know I was the first person that knew anything about it apart from obviously right. his wife or his you know Mr McMahon what's your vision this is my vision let's go and do it and with this incredible team that we had around us that helped and it was a small team right so there's the vision let's go and I can say the vision the vision was we were both watching at the time uh, Boardwalk Empire yeah. and he said you know when you see uh, you know wrestling that people have whatever their ideas of wrestling are he said you know when you see these incredible shows like Boardwalk Empire because that was one of the first of those type of shows now there's that many of mm-hmm. them you don't know where to start right there's that yeah, many no, shows now where, where, where do you put the it's like where do I start with all this incredible content now but Sopranos and, and that would change sort of change where people's we're watching these high yeah. quality dramas. He said, you know, when you see one of those shows, he said, you can have funny stuff. It's obviously there's the, 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 the stories are going on and there's, there can be all kinds of violence. There's well-told stories. He said, you will never see anybody in any of those shows like the Sopranos or Boardwalk Empire from the smallest to the biggest of roles that looks out of place. He said, that's the vision for how I want wrestling to be because he'd realised that it's not all about big people. It's about looking the part and doing the part because he's a fan of UFC and he'd realised the yeah. middleweights were the ones that were drawing. And if you yeah. yes, if you can ever find an heavyweight, people are still going to want to see heavyweights. But so a different going in with a different mindset and let's just make it work and. That was it. That was how we started. And so everything else fell into place as like I'm given a free reign of going out and finding people who actually were already out there or whatever it was. When I went, I I went to see a lot of people because watching them on film is one thing, but seeing them is another. That's how we first met because I'd come over to, I knew about there was going to be something in England from probably 12 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but 2016, it was, you know, this is something, we don't know what, and we have no idea yet, but my job was to always plan ahead. So uh, I'm, I can see that there's stuff going on in England. Seeing stuff on screen isn't the same as, as you know, being in the live yeah. uh, entertainment industry, going and watching it and actually watching the fans and how they're reacting and, and getting the actual feel is a completely different world. So I went over and I basically did 
two weeks in England of, of, of seeing what was going on. But I'd done that. I was doing that everywhere. I was going and actually seeing people. Oh, you know, mm. this person will fit in here, that person. Mentioning certain people and bringing them in. And, and a lot of it was based as well off the fact that this isn't, you know, I, there's a lot of people who get this nonsense or, or try to make, they make nonsense out of something that isn't. Why it was, it was called WWE superstars and not pro wrestlers. It wasn't that, it wasn't a thing of not liking wrestling. If you, I, you know, because that was a lot of people just took it, Mr. McMahon's word, and didn't actually ask. Whereas when I started commentating for him, I asked, I said, can I use the word wrestler? He said, you can, yes, because you're a wrestler. He said, the only reason, he said, to be a WWE superstar, takes a lot more than just being somebody who's a 15-minute-a-day wrestler who just mm. turns up and doesn't train and, I, I you know, he, he puts the time in. And, thing, again, things that I wouldn't think twice of. So, right, we're going to have this incredible facility that we're going to train at. Nobody, like, people, because they've got nothing better to do, will make these stories, oh, these fellas are training and these ladies are training and they're doing this and they're well, shouldn't you want to if you're a, if you're a professional athlete of, of any mm. kind? Do, 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 or do all do, do you not have to do that anymore? Is that not something that? And then you're given the, the, this incredible facility to train at. Nobody questions if if, if it was to, if people who go through the Japanese system, and a lot of it was based on that. But you know, my time when I was in Japan, they have a dojo and you train hard and. You, you wear your, col- your, 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 your colours, if you wear your Japanese, whichever Japanese company, you wear them with pride. And it yeah. was based on, NXT was based on, you should be able to walk around, or being in the WWE, with pride of the fact that I've worked harder than ever, a lot of people. Not worked harder, yeah. but I've put my time in. I'm not a player. And I'm and, and and this is and this is real and serious. Again, like you, yeah. you touched upon just watching in the room there. It's mad now to think back to watching week after week at the electric ballroom, two, three hundred people or whatever it is in there w- w- watching your Will Ospreys and 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 yeah. and your Pete Duns and all yeah. of these people and a load of people who have rightfully been chucked out of the industry because there was obviously some some right. horrible people in there as well as it turns right. out so but uh, what you were saying about your boardwalk empires and people looking as if they belong there pete dunn always made me think of a guy i worked with and he's a dear friend stephen graham um a, right. astounding actor and we the first time i worked with stephen i was kind of his right hand man on a show called taboo and anyone else could have got uncomfortable going right. So my sidekick guy is six foot four and and massive, whereas I'm like Stevie's quite small. But as soon as that camera comes on, you know who the scary fucker right. is. It's Stevie. You don't think of right. him as a and small any person. Time you watch and Pete, yeah, and Pete Dunn right. was always that kind of thing. It's like he's not right. the biggest guy. He's not got the stature. But as soon as he walked out in the electric ballroom, you would particularly. I said he was a heel at that point. He's like you were terrified. There was no one more scary. And it wasn't about, I'm the biggest guy with the biggest muscles. I love that you touched upon um, Triple H mentioning the, the the UFC in the middleweight division. I remember I was at a, I think it was a Bammer event a few years back, and these two guys were fighting, and one was m- muscled up, and one had more of an Anderson Silver type look, who was the middleweight champ at that time. And his gym, their, their T-shirt, had printed on the back, you train 
are to look good, we train to knock you out. And sure enough, within 40 seconds, flying knee, he knocked the guy who looked a million dollars, who looked like a cage fighter. He knocked him out in a second and you saw exactly who belonged there, you know, rather than just purely the aesthetic. So that that was really how it all started. And it wasn't, it was just me being, I ended up with some job title because they said, right, we're going to give you this job. What do you want to be called? I said, well, I, I don't know. I just do me. I'm just, you know. And they said, well, we can't say director of William Regal. So they made up a job title for me. Of, <laughs> I wish they had. <laughs> but if anybody, that's what, because people did that for me, I, I've been there for anybody who I've met who wants, I wouldn't have nothing if it wasn't for this wrestling job. So I'm willing to help anybody. It doesn't matter what style they do, whatever, as long, long as they they want to... And people think, because I do a certain, or I used to do a certain style, that I could... Uh, or they've only seen little bits of my career. You know, you had, had a 30-year wrestling career. You, like you said, I, I didn't... I started watching you in, you know, whatever, 2000s or whatever. Well, major part of my career was uh, in from 93 to 97 was in WCW, mm. you know. Was, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. I made a name for myself. That's when people actually knew that I was a different kind of a wrestler and, and all the, most of the character work I did, the rest, it just fell into whatever, you know. So people have only got so the time frame of what they know you for. I like all styles of wrestling. No different than I like all styles, well, most styles of music and most styles of anything, as long as people put effort in. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to work with, you know, just because it's not my style, right? I like that that style. If you're doing whatever you're doing, just maybe do this and I can add that because of TV thing. Yeah, and I don't, I'm, I hope, I don't think Will mind me saying this in any way, but Will, I haven't had that much time around Will, but he's always asked me questions and when he's been around me. I saw him at AEW earlier this year, the first time he was there, and he, he mm. come out and straight away he came to me and I said, well, you know, I said, it was just the only thing I said, well, I don't know, first of all, what, what are you asking me for? You're, you know, as good as you are, well, you need to ask me. He said, no, <laughs> seriously, like, you know, because I, I still think like that. Why, why are people asking me stuff? You know, if yeah. it, especially when I went there because it wasn't my job. If it's my job to as you come through the curtain which NXT was I I basically my job is to try to keep your wrestling honest and what I mean by that is to not see through the tricks yeah that's that's the thing that I can help with the most if you're doing pins that don't look like pins that's a big part of the story of you know and it's it's the difference between being a an illusionist or being a close-up card magician what you really need to be is both if you can, or specialise in one or the other. And it equates very well to wrestling. If you're an incredible illusionist, great. If you're an incredible card magician, uh, a close-up magician, great. If you're neither one or the other, then let's get something going or let's get, if you can be both, well... Will came out and I said, there's only one thing. I said, uh, you did that incredible thing there, but you did it facing away from the, the cameras. So it was great for those 4,000 people sat on that side. And I said, and you might, uh, uh, and uh, we didn't have this discussion, but 
some people I know go, he didn't. Because the next time he was back a few weeks later, everything he did, he did towards the cameras. I said, you're as good as it gets, right? You're as good as it gets. And now he's got that face that he's just, he doesn't have to do any of the stuff that he's, as time makes you just whatever it is. That's when you got, and this is is going back in a deeper kind of a, 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 talking about Stephen Graham. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, when he's on, on camera, he pulls off any role I've ever seen him in. Yeah. Will now as not only has this incredible skill set, but he has this face that he can just do open his eyes a little more or just squint his eyes or just flare his yeah. nostrils and he doesn't have to do anything. That is enough yeah. to make you go on top of everything he's got, right? Yeah. So yeah. I just said so I said if you'd have just turned to the camera or Next time I saw him, he came out, he said, is there anything? I said, no, I said, because everything you did was in the camera. So, and that sometimes comes with time, it comes with experience, it comes with life. A lot of times it comes with life. Some people are always playing at this. Some people need real life. Mm-hmm. It's another thing I've been very fortunate to have, good or bad, it's real life. And real life yeah. can help you have the, the, the facial thing. Uh, there's a trick to wrestling. If you have a great face... Make sure that people can see it. If you don't, yeah. keep moving, because it can be the it can be the killer of certain people that they can do incredible yeah. things, but if they stop and then you actually look at them and go, oh, they don't look like they can knock the skin off a rice pudding. Yeah, it, it, it it's sort of so th- th- there's nothing it's wrong a combination with that. You of, just, it's a combination of lived and learned, though, right? Lived because and again, or I, I, knowing I, how I, to, I, to do your act and and not yeah. to expose you. Not to expose yourself, right? Learn what you can do and what you can't. And if you're just willing to, uh, with a, if somebody like me who is only there to help you, not in, in no other agenda, if you're just listening, look, maybe you want to work on that, maybe you want to work, or you need to keep moving. Mm. Why? Mm. Because if the camera actually settles in on your face, you, you don't really have. You know, giving that, it away. Giving yeah. it away. And which is no different than any other form of entertainment. So that's how it all started. I know it's like, again, everything with me is long winded, but when you got, <laughs> well, you got, I got this year, it'll be 40 years in, Ju- in June yeah. since I started doing this. You got 40 years of all this stuff in your head. It, 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 there's no simple answers to anything. I think the people with the simple answers have never done it enough of it. Yeah. Because there's, there's no right and wrongs. People, I hear these people come up with these formulas about this, and I'm going, you just haven't done this long enough, because there is no yeah. formulas, right? You've how yeah. many live shows have you done? Is there yeah. a, is every night there's something different? Yeah. If the, and you've got a plan for the unexpected, and, and the more you prepare, the better you have. have either through uh, dying a thousand deaths, <laughs> you'll learn, or. Sometimes you can't do that because, but you can prepare for whatever might might happen, and it, it's it's a never ending quest. Fortunately, a lot of people get to a point where they think they know it all, or they, they oh, I'm, I'm I've been on TV three weeks now, and I, I know what I'm doing. No, you don't, because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, and I'm, again, I'm no agenda with this. I'm absolutely still kicking myself. Going, why didn't I do that when I was wrestling? Oh. Why didn't I do that? What, what, something so, and a lot of times it's nothing complicated. It's not, it's just so simple, but effective. And I'm going, oh, but I can, I'm going to give it to the right person to do because I know they'll yeah. be able to pull that off. So I'm, and, and a lot of NXT, there was 
not just me, there was everybody that came through there, everybody there is, it has got their own look on that and it's what you take out of that and build on it and, and or you stagnate. It's entirely up to you. You can, if you've got all you, or you keep, keep your, your mind open to upping your game all the time and that that's or in my case physically wise I got to a point where there were certain times when I could and couldn't do stuff well then you get you have to play on your other skills of using your face more when you, there's nights when you you would rather and I'm sure you've had these where you, you I'd rather climb Mount Everest and put my boots on because I felt mm-hmm. like I couldn't lift my arms up or my knee was bothering okay but I don't because I've been around or whatever I can use this more tonight I can talk more I can yeah volley with a crowd more I can I can do what but I know how to get through it so if you don't and they get more that, often than not end up being the memorable the, the memorable the, the, the memorable shows and the memorable yeah. things because you're not just going in going to the things yeah. that you can rely upon you're having yeah. to step out and try other things that make you then go all oh, right well maybe I did that because I didn't want to do the, <laughs> my, my usual show tonight, but that is actually, that's handy. I've learned something there. There's a great story of, uh, I was actually in Japan when this match happened, but the, there's the, if for anybody who has did watch NXT, there was the, I believe it was in Chicago with Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate. Mm-hmm. And they went out there and if you actually watched, they did very little. But they did everything at the same time. And I was in Japan. I was sat in a very nice but very small hotel room not too far from the Tokyo Dome because I was out there looking at shows for two weeks. And so I was on the phone and texting. We were doing the show live. (laughs) And they went out and tore the the house down. Two people that most of the audience would never have known at the beginning of that night and Mm -hmm. in front of a big arena. And... When I got back, they both told me, they said it was unbelievable. They said, we didn't do anything. But because you've got people like Triple H and Shawn Michaels and people who have had all this experience in front of arenas, they're on the headset telling the referees to tell them, just stay down, just stay down, just stay down. They said, the longer we stayed down, the louder the crowd got. Yeah. And we was like, yeah, because that just comes from time or experience or what you know that everybody in NXT was there to try to some things work out but better everybody's um abilities some things work out some things don't some people are gonna moan some people had good experiences some people had bad it's never and this doesn't matter whether it's wrestling acting music sometimes this job just doesn't work out for you Right, you can be the best at anything, and if nobody books you, or or and it's depending how it's just life. I've had I've had a great life out of wrestling. I, I want, wanted to always give that back. I had that opportunity, and it wasn't just me. It, 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 you know, there was a lot of us that, that I had the opportunity to give that back, and hopefully we'll, we'll keep giving. You know, I, I'm I. I going back to just doing me again and we'll see where it goes from now on. I love it. I love it. I always tend to to wrap these chats up with asking what's ahead 
what do you want from the future? And it feels like the answer is already there in that whatever is needed. <laughs> you know, Whatever's you, needed, you've said yeah. numerous times, well, whatever they need from me, whoever I'm working for, whatever yeah. is re- required, I'll be there. But kind of is there anything that you've got in your mind? As you say, you look back to your in-ring career and you think of things that you didn't get round to doing at the time or you didn't do at the time. Is there anything in your career now that you're looking at and going, I need to make sure I'm not looking back at this and going, oh, I should have done that. I should have done this. When I say I'm looking back and going, oh, I should have done that, these are just nothing Small. like big. Yeah. These are little, in lockdown, because we got a, we had a full UK crew, we, we couldn't do anything else but these Zoom calls. And we went back and watched 50, We for the first five months, we had... Six hours a day, five days a week. We broke the broke all the crew up in, uh, in the UK into groups up, and we watched. There was myself, Robbie Brookside, Johnny Moss, James Mason. We watched fifty old British matches from the eight seventies and eighties. Well, I can remember a lot of the eighties stuff because that's you know I was ten, eleven, and that's when it really like the the actual wrestling started resonating with me. Yeah. But there was stuff from the 70s that, and, and, and I knew a lot of the wrestlers and I'd wrestled a lot of them, but <laughs> I hadn't gone back and watched too much of I'd watched certain styles, but I hadn't watched it all. Well, we watched 50 matches and there was people, I was seeing things that people were doing on these matches and I know they'd done them to me. And I was thinking, all it was was, why didn't I take that and just do, and it was, they were so simple, but so... Right that would have fit perfectly with my act. So yeah, yeah. When, it's, uh, I don't want that to sound like I regretted anything or should have done more in my career. Absolutely not. not. It's just no, things it sounded like those having that open things, mind and not thinking yeah. you know everything. I'm like now, all the young people, I want them to teach me because they've had to manage the last few years in, in COVID yeah. and get people have made the names for themselves in, in COVID or there's how did people cut up or, or just dealing with, they don't get to, to wrestle all the nights in, in, of the week that I used to get to wrestle or wrestlers. Mm. It's it's become more of a TV product. And so I'm constantly, and I know it sounds like silly or corny, every day, right, what can I learn today? What what? I'm, it's mm. not like, it's not a meet. Sometimes it's uh, maybe you want to do that because of this, but most of the time it's open conversation of why. And if you can teach me something good, so I have no nothing else that I want to do apart from just keep doing, uh, hopefully as long as I can, keep doing me and giving back to this job that has been so good to me. And uh, as long as people will put the effort in and uh, I'll be there for them. So that's, all, that, that's really it. I've got nothing else. I, a few things, I'll say this on here, I would love... I've seen you in Taboo and I, I think I'll let you know at the time I'd, I'd love that's the one thing that people have always said to me that you would be very good at from whatever they've seen of me doing backstage stuff I would love somebody to give me a little bit of a, just a little bit of a role that I could do a little bit of something in that in something yeah. that I could get my teeth into in that respect yeah. but I've never, ever tried to get anything. I got offered the role once, believe it or not, to, it was 20 or 20, 21 years ago. 
that it's, I know it's been made since, but at the time it hadn't to, to be in the Lenny McLean film. Right. But I'd only just got to WWE and I said, I can't commit that much time. It was a, 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 I remember yeah. the, I remember the, the fella's name, Clinton Montague the third was the, the fella who brought the rights to it. Uh, and I know eventually it got somebody else took it on board. Right. Um, and then it got made. But at the time I said, no, I said, but I could play his dad because I'd read the book and I thought it, I could maybe do that in a week because there wouldn't be, yeah. there'd only be little bits if you've got it. It just never sure. came. They never got the funding for it, whatever. I couldn't do, I know you have to do this. I couldn't do a rehearsal. I'm a red light person. Absolutely. I, I can't, if you put a camera on me, like I'd say, do this. I can't do it. Whatever it is with me, I just red light person and boom, and I do it and I turn into yeah. whatever and you, I have a range of... So that is one thing that... But I, I couldn't care if I ever did it or not. It'd be nice to do something like that. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. You've gone quiet on me. I don't know why. I've gone quiet. Hello, hello, hello. Excuse me for one second. But you, you've gone... I've lost your sound. What's happened there? Hello, hello, hello. I don't know what is happening here. I mean... Listeners, this is obviously the perfect, perfect ending. You can't hear me. <laughs> shall we call it? Shall we call it there? That's perfect. <laughs> I can hear you, and you can't hear me. Thank you so much. And yeah, it's an honour to have to get your last last chat. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. And there we go. An abrupt end to a wonderful conversation. Weirdly, just as we were saying goodbye, there were some technical issues. We did get back up and running, but all we did was say goodbye. And then we had a load of other conversation that isn't for for you guys' ears. So you stay out of my business, please. What a guy. What a life. What a story. What an outlook. So pleased with this conversation, man. Me and Mr. Regal have been been lining this up for some time and it's come close and then not happened and come close and then not happened. And I couldn't be happier with when it has happened. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Apologies for the abruptness of the ending, ending on technical issues. But, you know, I think it worked a treat and I hope you enjoyed that. Spread the word, share this with people. I'll be back next week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's drunk cast time. We normally end the year on a drunk cast for reasons we'll go into in the drunk cast. We didn't. We recorded it in January. And it's the perfect way to get through the end of your dry January. If you're doing dry January, you can live vicariously through us. And it's five episodes long. So you can imagine how messy this is. So yeah, tune in next week for that. As a lot of you know, it's the one time a year I drink. I didn't drink at all last year because we postponed the drunk cast. So, um, yeah, that's all for you next week, starting on Wednesday and going throughout the rest of that week, basically. So, yeah, I'll see you all then. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.